لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد. I had uh, promised that inshallah whenever is possible we will dwell upon the Quran and try and dive into its multi layers of wisdom, knowledges and light. There are no end of these horizons as far as the Quran is concerned, which is the book of existence, which is the manual that any true believer in the one and only creator will find of immediate help at any situation, at any circumstance they are in. One of the meanings of the Quran is that which gathers and has within it everything. And as you all know, the Quran has come with a language that transcends, if you like, the limitations of an ordinary terrestrial language. It has terms that are physical, material, but equally they echo celestial and higher and subtler meanings. It is uh, the Arabic language whose origin is Aramaic, maybe also from the Phoenician and older, so that when you talk about a specific thing, it does mean that specific thing, but also it connects it with its roots, with where it had come from, or echoes subtler meanings of that specific thing. That is why if you enjoy the Qur'an and if you have the opportunity of doing it in Arabic, you find that you are being at all times challenged and yet refreshed. At all times you are given a new insight which drives you more and more towards the love of the Qur'an, towards diving into it, towards taking from it all the energies that we need in this journey of this life. I was asked to share with you Surat Al-Inshirah, Alam Nashrah Laka Sadrak. As you all know, a considerable portion of the Quran descended upon the carpet of light manifesting as our Prophet Muhammad وسلم, came in Mecca. Somewhere around 40% of all the ayahs are possibly have come there. And many, many of these short surahs are Meccan surahs. At that time, the emphasis was on remembrance of next life, heavens, earth, who are you, what are you here for, what is akhirah, what is death, to shake people out of their lethargy of being, if you like, steeped in that dark culture which existed at that time, which exists at all times to varying degrees of concentration. So the Meccan ayahs, Meccan surahs, are mostly to do with submission to Allah, trusting that Allah's ways are perfect and Allah's nur is 
the cause of existence and the source of cosmos. And they remind man that you are weak. You are dependent on that light. Indeed, that light is in you in a form called ruh. So to remind us that we are the creators of our hells and heavens through the ignorances and the layers that the nafs or the self covers this light called ruh. So most of the Meccan ayahs and Meccan surahs give this immediate responsibility to the individual to wake up to their duties, which is to know their creator. How? To accept and know and follow the creator's ways, Allah's ways, Allah's will. The, the surah which we, inshallah, will cover briefly is often connected with the surah before it, which is surah and the, this surah was also probably they tried to as best as they could number the surahs that came down early on in Mecca it's probably number 11 so Alam Nashrah is always connected to it indeed many many of the Qaris many of the people also of Ahl al-Sharia they say you have to read them together so we'll follow these traditions which are wonderful the uh, surah before uh, al duha was um, number 94, I think. What, what? No. Well, because it has in it the 10th, you see. Walayalin um, Ashr. That is why. That is why it came after that. There was a period, a long period apparently, that after surah Wal-Fajr, Walayalin Ashr, which was number 10 apparently in the Meccan thing, Meccan descent of surahs, there was a period in which um, people were concerned there is no, nothing fresh coming, nothing new, has Allah Azawajal forsaken his prophet? And therefore, wadduha came, you see, and immediately followed by this. So I'm asking Ustad Iqbal to read for us surah wadduha, and, and I will make very brief comments on it, and then we move to surah Alam uh, Nashrah. Thank 
So Allah reminds His glorious, perfect representative, the Prophet Muhammad that by the effulgent day, by the height of midday's light and consciousness, that after the darkness has gone, the darkness of not knowing what is your duty, the darkness of not knowing how to avoid the trouble that comes to you, the darkness of not knowing the path or the boundaries or the knowledge of nature and sharia. So it says, by the effulgent light, now that you have discovered that you are Abdullah, you have discovered you are only here to perfect your worship. Allah Azza wa Jal says elsewhere in the Quran, and I did not, did not create jinn well ins except how can you worship something you don't love? How can you worship something you don't adore? How can you worship something you are not in passionate, total and utter orientation towards? And that is the qibla, and that is the mihrab, where you wage war against ignorance, against our own ignorance, against our own stupidity, so that you worship he whose qualities are worshipable. We all love the effulgence, the everlasting, the awwal al-akhir, the he who is the source of all power, he who has no beginning and no end, he who is the source of shifa, he who is al-ali al-qadir, he who is al-kabir, he who is al-rahim, he who is al-rahman. We adore these qualities. So Allah says, 
by what is already in your heart as a ruh, by the design of the creator, the perfect creator, you as a created being, by my command, you have never been left ever alone. How can you ever be alone in this world? Where did you get this energy from? Where do you know now you are tired? Where do you know now you are awakened? Where, where do you know now you are, di- you are dying? By he who never dies. By he who has given in you a spark of his, if you like, divine reality, which is called ruh. So the nafs is only there as a shadow in order for you to realize that is not it. Your nafs is moody. One minute you are happy, one minute you are not. One minute you accuse one. So how can you know these moods unless there is in you a mood that is constant? So Allah says, by the comings and the goings of light and darkness, there is in you something constant, and that is the presence of your Lord. Ma wadda'aka rabbuka. Rabb is Lord. Everything has a Lord. Every body has a Lord, every mind, every thought, every house, every home, every car. There must be a head to a situation which has got different diverse entities. And the ultimate Lord within you is your ruh. But if the so-called you does not recognize that Lord, then it is constantly confused. Know your real Lord, the ultimate Lord, Allah Azza wa Jal, the Lord of Lords, through that which is in you. And then you discover that that is in you is truly obedient. Allah says in the Quran, and all the arwahs have been exposed to the Lord, and they have on them the imprint of alastu bi rabbikum. You see, but insanu taga, we as a human being, as a cover of that, as a shadow of that, you know, as a veil for that, can appear to be mischievous. It's not. It's apparent. It changes. It finishes. So. Your Lord never ever takes time off, never rests, never sleeps. He's forever present. We do need rest. We do need sleep. We do make mistakes. Your Lord never does that. That is why we adore the Lord who does not make a mistake. Certainly that which will come later after time and space has ceased is better because it's forever. That is why whatever we do, whatever we like, we want it to be forever. We want to prolong it. Is it going to last? Is it going... Even a, ch- a, a, a child hides some of the sweets. I will take it later, more and more. So, as, you know, I'll marry a, a shopkeeper who has a lot of sweets in the shop. You know, the, the little girl says. You know. So, because we want prolonged goodness, prolonged joy. It's no use having a five minutes pleasure and you pay... A year price for that. We want joy. Joy is spontaneous. Pleasure is a small little indicator of joy or bliss. They are the little early tidbits of the early on how Allah tempts us in a way to Him, for Him, by Him. These are the hooks. These are the divine hooks to get us back to where we have always been, where our grand, glorious Father Adam was in the eternal garden but not knowing that it is eternal. So we have to come to the ephemeral to realize that we love the eternal. This is it. The program is done. Allah's work is done. You and I have to work on it and at it and follow it and imbibe it and be transformed by it. So Allah then comes to this glorious surah. It says, أَلَمْ نَشْرَحْ لَكَ صَدْرَكَ 
Now, I, here I'd like to share with you some of the Arabic terminologies. Sharaha yashrahu, inshirah. Surah is called Surah al-Inshirah. Sharaha is to expound, is to open up, is to reveal, is to analyze. Uh, the surgeon is called, a doctor who is a surgeon is called that because he does cutting up to, to show what is in the body, what is wrong, what is. So tashrih is the art or the science of cutting up things, you see. It implies cutting up a body in order to find where the illness is. And to expound, to explain, to show. Now, sadr in Arabic is also used as a breast or also as a heart. In other words, haven't we revealed to you what is in your heart? Heart is the home of the soul. Your ruh is in your heart. Your access to your ruh is through a heart. It's through a clear heart. It is for that reason we say, have a healthy body. Because it starts with the gross. If my body is sick, I cannot have a clear mind. If my mind is sick and too disturbed, we can't talk about the heart. That is why also later on in this surah says, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ When you have done your basic duties, which is a hierarchy, you start with that which is more solidly, if you like, or materially making its demand. You can't sit in glorious reflection of the Quran if there are five, six children bashing each other in the room. Take care of that first. You know, or, or if you are hungry, or if you are sick. So there is a hierarchy for our attention. You have to care for your body. Make sure it is in reasonable order. It's not abusive, it's not over, it's not under. Half of the time you're belching, or half of the time you're you know, snoring. It doesn't work. Equally with the mind. Clear mind. Be willing to, like a computer, wipe it all out. Otherwise, it affects you. It will affect your health. It will affect your inner qualities. It will affect your discipline. Healthy body in good unison, in good balance. Because we are again worshipping at the altar of constancy. Allah is ever constant. You and I are not. That's why you have to catch the fellow when he's in a good mood. Otherwise, he won't, he won't get his money or whatever it is you're after. <laughs> Allah's moods do not change. Allah is forever constant. That is why it is called haqq. It is the truth. Truth not, never changes. It is realities that change. And a reality is nearest to the truth if it does not change. Like a goodness of generosity. The more you are consistent in your generosity, the more you are truly able to speak and hear and connect with the ever generous and so on. So that is why if you call upon Allah, you're actually refining your own self. It's already there in a latent fashion. It is in your ruh, in a pattern. But now that pattern has to be brought to life. It has to become your operating system. You have not switched it on. Why? Because you were a kid. You were immature. You were body mind immature. So until such time, you gain spiritual intelligence. Not IQ, not EQ, the SQ. So you get up into that. So you become to realize truly, fully, that you are made of these two entities. A ruh that reflects the eternal truth and a personality, a specific individuality that is you. That has come about because of genetic imprints, cultural environment, the moment you are born is important, who you have seen, how many times you have been bashed or whatever. These are the lenses 
through which the so-called you, who is a ruh, who is the ever-charging battery, sees the world. Therefore, whatever world you experience is a reflection of your inner state. It is as simple as that. What you and I experience of the outer world is a reflection of your inner world. The same event can mean totally different thing to two different people. How come? The ruh is the same. The lens is different. He has perceived this as a bad event. You know, the, the fellow's um, uh, dog died at night in the, in the farm. And the people came and said, so how can you live? Because we are all under threat every night. But the dog doesn't. He said, never mind. Alhamdulillah. Allah said, we should die. I did my best, but the dog died. The next day, the donkey died. He said, Alhamdulillah. The next day, his fa- family left him. He said, Alhamdulillah. Within five days, thieves had come to the village. And they could only g- be guided by the bray of the dog or the cockerel or the barking or, or the, of the donkey's sound. And this house was silent. Everybody else was slaughtered except this fellow. So you must do your best and have faith, living faith. Not just, you know, in air. It must be transformative faith. You see the world as your inner state. This particular peasant saw the fellow, saw the world that whatever Allah has done to him, although he has done his best, it is right for him. That means you accept the will of Allah and unify your will with his. Otherwise, you're all the time fighting somebody whom you can never win from. Allah is forever the winner. So look, Allah is forever. So this is submission. Give in to it. Be a man now. Rise to the occasion and be courageous. Say, yes, I tried my best. It failed. Allah is the winner always. May he make me realize what he wants so that it makes me want that. Because I want to be happy. Happiness implies unity, implies unicity, implies synchronicity. So that's as simple as that. Now he says, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Haven't we expanded, opened up, revealed what is in your breast? And now that you have realized that it is Allah is the doer through you, by your also judgment or misjudgment. All of this weight you were carrying, all of this so-called anxiety, concern, or sorrow about the past, fear about the future, is all gone. Allah is addressing the Prophet Therefore, he is addressing us who follow in the prophetic footsteps. Look back in your own past. Where were the problems? If I tell you last June the 2nd, you had a problem. Do you now remember it? don't remember. It's gone. So why don't you remember every time that the so-called problem is upon you? Is there anything you can do about it? Do it. If there isn't, then leave it in Allah's hand. He has brought it upon you to challenge you, to make you more submissive, to soften your heart, or to humiliate you or humble you because you've been too arrogant. There's no room in this, in this realm for arrogance. Allah the Jalal wal Ikram. You cannot have Jalal. You cannot have Izzah. You cannot have this nonsense of izzah. Look at our so-called Arab misleaders. They all go for a izzah that they don't deserve. Allah will give him he loves, whom he wants izzah. Our Prophet had izzah, yet he maintained his humility. 
The stories that are so much known about of the great man of Abu Bakr, Umar, look at him being in the mosque so humble. And the others, Allah gives them izzah because of their realizing their nothingness and Allah's everythingness. So, these are the laws. That weight of how is he going to dispense with the message? How is he going to bring people to realize that they are all of them Abdullahs? Even though most of them deny it. What a responsibility upon the Prophet. When he suddenly realized the immensity of this light that has descended upon him. That pulverized him. That he couldn't take it anymore. فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ When you have done away with your immediate, whatever is responsibility, because you can only do what you can do. Leave the rest. You are Allah's instrument here. Be his abd, be his agent. Wake up to that immense possibility and potential rather than your own silly little thing, I am this man and this husband. This. These things are never going to give you their nourishment and the reconnectedness to he who is forever connected in you. When you have finished whatever your immediate obligations, what you say you must do, Allah repeatedly reminds us in the Quran that you cannot lie, you cannot be a hypocrite. Do what you can, what is appropriate. And if you can't, apologize. Be intact. Don't be shattered all over the place, everywhere and nowhere. Now you are ready to stand in front of the one and only who has always been there without you knowing what is here or there. وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ And now to your Lord who is with you. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَىٰ You can have that love. رَغْبَ is a desire, is love. So Allah tells us, do not deny the outer responsibilities. Also remember all of those things that mattered to you some time ago. They don't matter anymore. So use these experiential, if you like, happenings and memories and events to your advantage so that you end up being Abdul Waqt. And this is فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ You are available. You are present. That is why one of the inner prerequisites of Salat, apart from all of the specific Sharia aspects of your wudu, of your, uh, to be cleansed, to have had done your ghusl, to have all of these other things, is the presence of heart. If your heart is somewhere else is shattered, then what are you doing? It's just a bit of standing and sitting, which is also good in its own way. But it's not going to charge you. It's not going to recharge you. That is why the Prophet ﷺ says, and so many people do their salat, and there is only for them tiredness of the knees. And many people have their fasting, and for them there is only hunger. May Allah make us truly, utterly dependent on Him. May Allah make us at all times aware of His presence. May Allah make us at all times accountable to what are we doing. May Allah make us accountable to our intentions. May Allah make us accountable to those who are on the path of Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sallam. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.